Well, well, well. Looks like we've done it again. Unemployment is at 22% in the official numbers for the United States. It looks like I, St. Helen, had my third eye wide open last week and could see in all 20 dimensions. Nice. None of us <laughs> are immune from my third eye and my second sight. All the world, all of it, can be seen by me in all of the timelines. I'm basically like Dr. Manhattan, except instead of not doing anything, I don't do anything at all. This is Chop Shop Economics. <laughs> and re we read this shit so you don't have to. I'm Miss Silver, um, and we have a doozy of a week for you. God damn it. Everything is fucking crazy right now. This is like, yeah, this is Doc Spider, who's just sort of having that like yawning feeling in the pit of my stomach that's kind of like, you know, when I stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Oh, that's a real fun feeling, you know, where you, like, see, you see the pit, and you're very close to it, and you could fall in at any moment, and you'd fall for so long, and there'd be no way to get back up. And that's what unemployment numbers look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what, what was that the, they call it in French? The, the call of the void? Yeah, yeah, this is... Like the, we've, we've all the U.S. economy has a Freudian death drive right now in so many ways. <laughs> the the like the last time the U.S. economy ever got like this is Great Depression levels, but this is like at speed. This isn't like when you pull up a historic. Um, unemployment chart and you look at it and it rapidly spikes like you're looking at this mountain rising up out of nowhere this is like you pull it up and it's like nope straight line Absolutely. yeah the, the huge jump we've had is the jump it took for the great depression in three years we've done that in three months usa number one 2020 fuck yeah this is the biggest spike in unemployment. Like, I can't, I can't think of th this happening in any country before. Not just the United States. Like, this is, like, post-World War I levels of depression in Europe. Like, this is where things kind of got in, like, Weimar Germany very quickly. Um, this is... I don't know, like, if we could get some, like, numbers on it, probably somewhere around, like, collapse of the Soviet Union. Yeah. yeah, we're at that level right now. Like, we're at 
Yeltsin has officially machine gunned our economy. We are, like, so close right now to, like, Japan 1945 stuff. Like, right now there are food shortages, and right now there is 25% unemployment. We're... We've started this crisis off by heading straight to the depths of the Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, this is so absolutely unprecedented. And so, this is, again, yeah, you pull it up, it looks like a cliff face. Because that's what this is. This is goodbye to anything resembling normal anytime soon yeah for the great depression to recover it took 10 years and a world goddamn war yeah that's and unfortunately there is no such war especially not one that we would sign up to um i mean any the the problem is that a war like that right now would have a very different effect on the economy yeah i mean it's like it would look more like the spanish civil war's effect on spain's economy than it would world war ii's effect on the u.s economy that's that's a very good point you know yeah that it would you know assuming it doesn't go nuclear yeah and then we're gonna be you know doing things in bottle caps (laughs) Yeah, uh, stock up on bottle caps right now. Uh, oh, God. Because, you know, apparently, you know, the things that should be in your safe Monster. are, like, cheap-ass guns held together with duct tape. And Monster like, pull tabs. Bottle caps. <laughs> yeah, everyone, like, stock up on your rad uh, and don't forget your jet. We're hitting fallout times now, um, but we really... This, this is actually, like, uh, a good topic to get on in that, like, what we're looking at is stuff like the end of the Soviet Union, where people did, a lot of people did just go to their jobs like normal mm-hmm. from 1982 to ni- 1999. Like, they went to their jobs, they stayed at their apartment at the same apartment and they ate regularly and they had a bad time with like money for a while and then things started to get better that's what it's going to be like for a lot of people in the united states even if the country breaks up like it's going to be awful for so so many people and for a lot of people it will be fairly normal I mean, I I would disagree with the optimism there, in that like I I don't think it's really optimism. I think it's that the media is going to focus on, and you will be hearing mostly from, like how normal things are. Pretty soon, they're going to take the focus away from one third of Americans not having jobs to the one third who had the same job before this. You know, that's what they're going to try to do to project normalcy. Oh, so more of a burning dog meme here than anything else. 
Everything is fine. Everything is fine. America is fine. Stop asking questions. America is fine. Yeah, like Russia's booming economy in the 1990s that killed millions, you know? Uh, And they had the advantage that, like, they had a bunch of basic infrastructure that was still, you know, socialized. We don't have any of that. Along with, like, an actually substantial, like, you know components of a fairly robust social safety yeah and here it's like they've actively tried to destroy any of that and yes yeah i mean uh, there's a reason like you know um i'm i'm reminded that uh dimitri orlov talk where he um discussed like the collapse of the soviet union and like how horrific it was but also he was like well you know the reason we could hang on until Putin came about was because of all these legacy factors in the economy um all of these um you know inbuilt resilience things our you know thing times were a little tough and we were used to things being a little tough and the problem is for you Americans is you don't have any of that like yeah you've got the people who are like in permanent crisis mode and like permanent crisis fatigue like that's been that's been my whole fucking life since god since like 2008 um I've just been like permanently burned out crisis fatigue uh, mode, but yeah. 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 There, There's a lot of, you know, like 30 year olds and such in America who their entire adult life has been this jobless recovery, this going from gig job to service sector job, the apart, like one bedroom apartment with four people to one bedroom apartment with three people type life and so for a lot of people this is just a per this is a lot like a personal crisis they've been through multiple times except spread out over everyone at the same time yeah and then on top of that there's a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and it has to be emphasized that the reason this pandemic is having such incredibly disproportionate impact on the economy isn't just because this is a pandemic that is fairly lethal and if it's left unchecked will kill a whole lot of people um it's also that we have an economy that is extremely streamlined and everything is hyper specialized and built to be as incredibly profitable as possible but that also means a lot of this stuff has no redundancy. There's very little room for error. Everything has to work perfectly. Like, it's this beautifully calibrated, like, almost like this Fabergé egg. But the moment you actually hit it with something, it's going to fall apart. Like, this is, like, it's, like, it's worth going back to that. Like, the Great Depression took three years to reach this level. And this is in the middle of 
agri- like the dust bowl wiping out american agriculture in the great plains and manufacturing like steadily just completely collapsing because global trade fell apart but it still was like a thing that sort of took a while to unwind because you it w- like you still had like to an extent a lot of like existing internal markets and there was a lot more redundancy in terms of a lot more companies and just other stuff that could sort of hold things up a little bit better whereas here we've got like a handful of fucking mega corporations that are running on these hyper streamlined like supply chains that break if you stare at them funny oh yeah absolutely we've we've got this system and it like the stock market is doing fine right now it's like it stopped dropping it's just like oh cool we're just gonna have that drop, and then it's chilling now, which is the first thing that I've been wrong about ever in my life. I mean, the volatility is still crazy, though. The volatility is nuts. But right now, you think it would be down another 20% or something. But it isn't, because that is how divorced finance is from actual stuff happening at this point. Yeah, from material reality. Like, we are just so far beyond that point um, that basically they're like, well, you know, Trump says that um, he will graciously allow the serfs to die for number. And so everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Stop asking questions. That's probably what's propping it up right now is that you have places like Georgia and Florida that are reopening. And even in California, if you subscribe to a list of like 500 different stipulations, you can reopen for curbside service only, Um, which still doesn't include getting your hair done or getting your nails done. Um, And like just from that, that probably that plus like you know the fact that it looks like there's going to be even more bailouts because at this point you know fuck money money doesn't matter anymore so we're just gonna like fucking pull money out of the out of fucking thin air and light it on fire um so yeah so like between the fact that bailouts are happening and that it looks like their extremely aggressive attempt to manufacture consent for reopening has them going, well, we might be able to pull this one out, guys. Guys. And then they turn around and the trading floor is covered in dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. And and it's and it's not worked like the manufacturing consent has not worked. Like the polling has been fairly consistent in saying like 75% of Americans are in support of shelter in place for the duration and not jumping ahead of public health officials recommendations. Yeah, they're like the government is just like, okay, so we've got 80% of people polling against this thing that will kill thousands of people. So they do an action that's wildly unpopular and will kill thousands of people, and already has, and what do they think they are accomplishing? We're past the Vietnam yeah, War, by the way. We've blown past the Vietnam War in terms of U.S. casualties, and... 
I mean, and all just to <laughs> make sure that unemployment, instead of reaching thirty five percent, reaches thirty two. I guess that's their idea. Like these people, the experts say that it won't fix the economy. Who are they listening to? You know, it's just kind of a a, a gut reaction to sacrifice people to improve the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> apparently. Well, it's that or accept a command economy, and that would be the death of their new oh, yeah. bullshit. Because it would prove that markets are not the ultimate, are not the answer to everything. <laughs> so, and, I mean, like, they're, uh, not to, like, you know, discount what's going on in the United States, but um, what's going on with Japan? Oh, that's especially fun. So yeah, the Japanese economy like ate shit and died. Oh dear. In terms of official numbers. How ba- how bad are we talking? Are we talking another lost decade? They've never really got out of that lost decade. That's the problem. Is that they're starting off from a kind of lost decade level of economy. Like they call it the lost decade, but it's they never found the next decade, you know? The perpetual lost decade. And they're... Yeah. Basically, they, are, they already had their jobless recovery. And then they had another one. Never um, because the lost... Now, it's important to note that the lost decade refers to a period after the mid-90s. Um, into the, you know, mid-late 2000s. And then supposedly, you know, the Japanese economy recovered and everything was fine, except um, something might have happened in, like, I don't know, 2007, 2008, that um, might complicate this very rosy picture I'm painting. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, I can't think of anything that happened in the late 2000s regarding the economy, so I'm going to move on. (laughs) Drawing a blank there. Um, So, but yeah, to put a number on it, Japan's GDP drop for this quarter has officially been projected to be coming in around neg 22%. And this would be, this isn't the second straight quarter. This would be of uh, negative growth. This will be the third straight quarter. Quarter four, twenty nineteen, had a was a sh- had negative growth. It's not. They were already in a very bad situation at the beginning of twenty twenty. Quarter one, twenty twenty was like what was that? Like negative nine percent of. Jesus, yeah. and that was. Which is just as the quarantines started kicking in. So, like, and as we've said before, even if COVID had never happened, or if it had somehow been contained early, this economy was still going to fucking explode at some point this year. COVID's just making it happen a lot faster than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. what we're doing is we're reaching 22% unemployment in three months instead of over, like, 10 months or 12 months. Like, it's it's like what I told my accelerationist friend, you know. Um, meltdown, as they like to call it, that's not something that's far off in the, in the period of future. Meltdown 
has already happened. Meltdown is happening. Meltdown will continue to happen. We are we are in a, a long crisis that started in the early 70s and that we've been throwing increasingly heroic measures at trying to stop. We've been trying to stop this, you know, structural collapse for 50 years and it wasn't going to work forever. Yeah. And, and in the middle of all this, it didn't, you have the extra fun of that the elites decided that now would be the time instead of doing like reinvesting or finding a way to transition their broader macroeconomic structure in a direction that's away from depending on, you know, exploiting the fuck out of the rest of the planet and other people instead of like finding a way to get something that's more sustainable, if nothing else, because that would have actually kind of served, you know, national interest and all that in a way. Because at least it would mean that they're not going to get totally fucked by weird international shit. Um, but instead, they go with, hey, we're just going to, like, loot the commons again. Yeah, when there's, like, barely any commons to loot anymore. You're not going to... There, You're not going to... It's not going to be, like, enclosure in the fucking 1600s where you're like, oh, yeah, half of the economy can just be privatized. Why don't we do that? No, it's... It's, like, a tiny section that they can loot for these very short-term gains and these massive losses over time. Like... I mean, if they want my pocket lid, <laughs> they're welcome to it at this point. I don't give a shit anymore. But that's all they're getting. And we're even seeing that kind of dynamic carrying over into, like, at this point, like you said, there's not enough comments to loot anymore, so they're at the point of looting people's lives because we're seeing this with the reopenings that seems to be the thing that's, you know, keeping the market from completely going full on like emo reunion cover band is that maybe the reopenings will work and they're not. not. Like Sweden, for example, has been open for the most part during this crisis. Like their their idea of lockdown was not mandatory. They were like um very polite request to the boomers to please not go outside, um, which they obeyed to their credit. Um, their boomers are not like our boomers for the most part. Um, and it's the problem is, is that not everyone is going along still. And, you know, they've got like, what was it, 300 in a million, I want to say? Um, yeah, they're, uh, I've got their death rate up here. Their death rate is 297 for every million, as opposed to America's 222 per million. So, so they're, they're doing... significantly higher than America. And that's pretty bad. It's like six times that of, like, Norway and Finland, both of whom did mandatory lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. And it's worth noting that their health system isn't overloaded. It's just um, they're getting a lot more incoming patients than um, you know you would expect given a mandatory social distancing machine. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, they're uh, the virus is burning through the population faster than it is here. But <laughs> we're about 
about to join them. And honestly, their healthcare system is significantly more robust than yeah. America's. If America had tried doing this, we'd be seeing a rate of like 400. Um, Easily. Easily. Well, our 400 would be optimistic. I'll be honest. <laughs> it'll, it'll be optimistic. All those worst case scenarios of people like dying while strapped to gurneys waiting for treatment that would have yeah. been like and the norm. it might have just overloaded the whole system here entirely um considering how we're pretty significantly overloaded yeah. right now uh like just a personal anecdote took me three weeks to get an mri just now you know like three weeks because there's yeah, because there's just uh, so many, and this is in a particularly not affected state. Yeah, that's just because they're they're doing so many lung MRIs. You know, the the radiologists are very busy, right? And now. they can't go as fast because you know you got the observed protocols, and you have to sterilize the machines and all that um, much more often than you would have to um, under a normal. Um, treatment machine because this isn't a routine situation anymore. you can't put it off so even with all that Sweden is like absolutely eating shit as far as death rate compared to like even their neighbors who did like aggressive lockdowns so we're already getting this kind of really brutal A to B test of you can let the market do whatever the fuck it wants and you will kill people and the market will die anyway. Or you can lock down, do social assistance. Oh yeah, we haven't even gotten to that. We haven't even gotten to that because the whole proposition for, um, you know, the really crazy Americans, like, you know, let us send our workers to die. Um, their idea was like, if we keep the economy open, um, Things will instantly recover, and number will be fine. We'll be headed to Dow three thousand, uh, Dow thirty thousand in you know a quarter, um, because we did the right thing and we sent all these people to die for number. Because of course their value system is very perverse. Um, the market is the greatest good, but. What Sweden is showing us is it it doesn't it doesn't fucking work that way. It doesn't it doesn't work that way at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sweden's economy is uh surprise, surprise, doing the shittily. <laughs> <laughs> like, they kept it open and you know what happens? <laughs> People fucking don't go out anyway, and people aren't buying shit anyway. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're not even... Sweden isn't even going through, like, the kind of, like, just rickety collapse of any kind of, like, support system. Or consumer demand, for that matter. They're getting nailed by the export crisis. Like, global trade collapsing has nailed their economy. They are. They are. They're getting... They're getting slammed. And like they're they're not they're not doing as bad as Japan or France or Italy or what have you, but like they're not doing good. And I mean, their the first quarter number was really good. They only contracted like 
1.2%, but it has to be... But that's because they had an excellent January and February. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, if your January and February numbers are good enough, yeah, that will... They'll keep your quarter one numbers um, fine. <laughs> yeah, if you dropped six percent in if you dropped six percent in March, but went up, you know, three point eight in January and three point six in mm-hmm. February, yeah. then you're gonna end up with a over one percent growth. But like, <laughs> and no, but they dropped, but they still dropped, even though they had great February and January. So. Our next quarter is going to look pretty bad. We're looking not as bad as Japan, but we're looking just a, a little bit better. People are going to die, like Germany, anyway. You know, <laughs> and way more people are dying. Way more. Ah, <laughs> uh, and you know, we're seeing that kind of stuff with Britain That's too. That's what they were trying Britain to make just that case. Slow to get there. Where, like, they were even Italy, trying to make that case of well, we can just let. Yeah. The fucking pensioners die and it'll be good for the economy. They were seriously trying to actually like run the surplus population argument for a hot minute there until they were like, oh wait, this can kill us too. Yeah. Because we're most of us, um, and us being the British Tories are also pensioners. It's like, wait a minute, we're talking about <laughs> of that age. Oops. I mean, I mean, if you've kept up with UK politics, you've seen that picture of the young conservatives where that, it's all like it forty it's year really olds. Really, like it's that plus that the media is totally in the tank for them. <laughs> Is how they're able to get away with this shit. But it's like, and they, Britain, by the way, just surpassed Italy in number of deaths. Like an actual, like, raw number of dead people. More people have now died in the UK this week than uh, have died in Italy since the crisis began. So the country that was previously the poster child for how bad this could get, which is not... So, and there were like some problems with like the Italian response, but those were partly because Italy's social support network has been absolutely ripped to ribbons by austerity bullshit for the last 10 years. And uh, there was some fuckery with implementation, but even so, like the biggest, like one of the biggest factors that epidemiologists have talked about for Italy is that Italy has a disproportionately elderly population compared to the rest of Europe. So they had more vulnerable people. Yeah, yeah, it does. They, <laughs> there, it's it's a country with a lot of old people, and you know, you look at the difference between Italy's response, where they have the gendarmerie fucking literally patrolling the streets to keep people inside, and Britain's response, which is like, oh, the police are actually complaining in Britain that they would lockdown. not be able to enforce and a lockdown what... if they try to loosen the restrictions. So of course, their death rate's getting higher and higher and it like britain doesn't look like it's going to be in good shape for a while now especially with brexit going on but yeah it's it's a real the sweden stuff and the britain stuff really shows that reopening or staying open isn't good and we can see that in american states too where the reopening of states is just not fixing anything 
if anything, like they're reporting spikes in infection mm-hmm. rates in Florida and Georgia, which have both reopened. And there's spikes in communities that are neighboring Georgia because there's people crossing the border in and out um, from other nearby states to do business. And it's absolutely like, this isn't like and there's nothing so far to show that consumer confidence is at all recovered. Nobody's buying shit. Nobody's going out and doing shit. Um, even though there was like this posting, like shit, the not for the Conjuring Three, looking for extras on backstage.com for filming <laughs> this June and July in Georgia or Florida. Like going, hey, we'll pay you like one hundred and fifty-four dollars a day for each twelve-hour shoot. <laughs> the fact that like movie productions are back up is just so shitty i hate that so much that is such a non-essential industry and camp doesn't care i don't know this is really going to ruin my enjoyment of the conjuring 3 when i finally watch it (laughs) i'm sure there's going to be some ghoul at the national review who is going to praise the director's bold use of actual plague victims to be used as victims of possession or whatever the fuck happens in this next one um yeah but it'll be just like uh, what a bold avant-garde directorial direction i don't know it's it sounds very they're gonna compare them to stanley kubrick yeah but the next stanley here's my question though like desantis um did he already issue um another stay out uh state of emergency order because i i know that kemp is like no we're we're just gonna reopen the economy on you know the corpses of albany or something um but <laughs> florida from what i understand they they are um they are still in a state of emergency and okay. so what the Georgia fuck are they doing well, DeSantos wants to look like he's doing something mm-hmm. so that South Florida doesn't, like, secede or, like, seize some missiles and shoot them at him in, up in Jacksonville. Tallahassee, but really, I get your point. Tallahassee. The perfidious I, panhandle must be. Like I, I'm, I'm really outing myself as like a Floridian here, but this is absolutely uh, Panhandle uh, perfidy here, and Panhandle he knows it. He yeah, knows it. So, so. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it. He really needs to look like he's doing something, or else he'll lose all of those like retirees down in the fucking south who are afraid of dying and aren't Mm -hmm. diehard republicans like every single retiree who doesn't live in a like special retiree yeah i mean it's like uh, most snowbirds and such they don't live in places like the villages they live in houses they bought for like sixty thousand dollars back when you could still do that and now this yeah. is this is the only place they can live because you know successive waves of recession have wiped them out and so they're stuck in florida they're stuck in florida for the rest of their lives until they die and they are 
some of them are not going to be particularly happy about DeSantis trying to sacrifice them on the altar. So he's not. <laughs> so like there's it's a kind of wishy-washy thing going on in Florida and it's not really ad- any more admirable than what they're doing in fucking Georgia. Yeah. It's it's still going to kill them. Oh yeah. So yeah, and it's not going to work because we're already seeing like courtesy of the Wall Street Journal like we talked about this last week that there's been no evidence of the reopenings actually doing anything. Um even though Elon Musk seems to think that that's a good reason to like continue his extremely public meltdown. He's having an extremely normal one online right now. Um he is currently threatening Alameda County with a lawsuit um, because they will not let him reopen. Um, and to be perfectly fair, I don't know what the specifics of his plan is, but I also know that it's Musk. We're talking about a safety culture that's like safety third and move fast this is the guy who like barred using osha mandated caution tape in his factory because he didn't like how it looked yeah and it it took the feds to basically strong arm him into doing that like that's we're talking bottomless pits on the death star levels of not giving a fuck about basic safety regs here. And he's like, well, you know, we did, uh, we came up with protocols that were just fine in Shanghai, and so that's why we should be allowed to reopen. And it's like, it's because the Chinese made you dipshit. Like, they don't tolerate that kind of thing there. You're, you're a guest company. And they don't let you get away with shit like that. Like, I'm not going to defend the dingus, but come on, like. <laughs> and, and he's threatening to like move production to Texas or Georgia if they do, if like he's not allowed to reopen immediately. Like you can just you know highlight, drag, and drop this thing called mm-hmm. the factory in Fremont, which is like his biggest production factory, and put it in your inventory, and then just like you know drop it in a building slot in Texas or something. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, I don't know how much y'all know about, like, um, you know, how Tesla's saga has played out over the years, but when they uh, transitioned to making the Mall 3, because the Mall X and the Model S, they're, um, you know, and the Roadster, all of those were pretty much hand-built. And hand-building a car is, it's not easy, but it's not that difficult. Like, it's something an artisan shop with enough money can do. Scaling up to mass production is way harder. And frankly, this, (sighs) I'm kind of at a loss here because it took him so well, it took his company so fucking long to ramp up to mass producing the Model 3 there because they'd never done that kind of thing before. 
<laughs> and he thinks that he's just going to pick it up and move it to, like, Las Vegas or something. Like, come on, man. And, you know, find <laughs> the people who are actually the right kind of skilled labor who are willing to be like, yes, I'll totally come to work in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. for producing cars that are probably only going to just, like, add to the existing car glut that's out yeah. there. Yeah, like, how is he going to sell any cars right now? Like, you can't sell new cars right now. It's, they're not, they're not going off the lot. <laughs> Inventory isn't moving, I mean, like. If we're going to assume that, like, like, as we concluded last week, that Elon Musk has become the mad prophet of the death cult, then maybe he's expressing mm-hmm. his faith in a really weird ass roundabout way because first he says don't like my stock's overvalued and then i'm gonna sell all mm-hmm. my possessions and now he's like oh yeah i'm gonna up the thing that is like essential to my little empire in the united states for auto production and do something fuck off stupid with it maybe that's just like a really elaborate ploy to sacrifice <laughs> tesla to number yeah oh my god Oh my yeah, god. Well, That's probably no, it. Because no, Musk is and secretly so a socialist, here. remember? He said that. Uh, <laughs> so that's why they uh that's why he must be destroyed. <laughs> well, it, here's the thing. The the whole the whole automotive sector is about to eat shit. I mean, yeah. Look what happened to Hertz. Look what happened to Hertz. They just, they just ate a gigantic bunch of shit. They, they're bankrupt. And how the fuck are you gonna sell off an entire fleet of cars? Because they're, like, this isn't restructuring. Like, this is, this is liquidation. This is, um, just, completely asset stripping the company so that you know the uh, the the creditors will see like a couple pennies on the yeah, dollar it's... for their debts like let's let's not kid ourselves and the problem is is a lot of these cars are <laughs> they're fleet cars and we're not just uh, talking about just any type of fleet cars like this is not the days when you know, it's like an Accord or um, a Crown Vic or something that, you know, help, holds together really well and might still have some useful miles on it. Um, we're talking about something like a Nissan Versa with a CVT. And if you know anything about cars, you know that you're not going to buy an ex-fleet car with a CVT because... Yeah. It's useful yeah. life is basically nil. That's that's the problem, and so it's like the old, most of most of that fleet is going to end up in it's going to end up in an auction, and then those cars will be listed on Copart, torn apart for parts, and then returned to the scrapyard and. You know, the metal will be sent to China, where they will <laughs> uh, build patio furniture yeah. from them. That also I, I, won't sell. At least sell. we know where all those <laughs> car parts from Mad Max came from. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, this is, yeah, because, like, mm-hmm. they'll be building cars, like, they'll still be rolling out new cars, like, two years into the apocalypse, just to have them scrapped immediately. Because uh, <laughs> somehow that's become profitable. Yeah, somehow. yeah. It's, well, because of, uh, you know... So it's like, yeah, Musk. Musk's thing is, like, yeah, maybe he can stay ahead of this, but only if, like, the big three drop dead, too. Um, and, like, there, there's a chance that might happen, but if... He also has the problem that his cars are pretty high-end in terms of price. Like, he's only just started getting into the twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 market range, barely at the top end. And that's, like... That's where, particularly if you're talking like Toyota and Honda, make their bread and butter. And even like Ford and Chevy to a lesser extent. I mean, well, I mean, they depend a lot more on SUVs in the US for stupid reasons, but they still make like decent money off of here's Mm -hmm. this cheap thing that will run and just needs like a fucking oil change every 3,000 miles. It's not sexy, Mm -hmm. but it'll do. Yeah. And it's like. Basically, the only way he can really come out on top on this situation is if the domestic market uh, collapses completely, as in, like, uh, basically foreign headquartered manufacturers just completely come apart. And, you know, the Japanese uh, manufacturers, the European ones, are the only ones left standing. Um then he might have a chance at displacing them. But if that happens, um, where is he going to get this money um, well, to, that's keep, the problem uh, with, like, to keep things rolling? That's like, the problem with so many. The Shanghai uh, factory. Right is that like, like, there's just like no investment money and there's no yeah, consumer yeah. money. and There's no so market to sell in. Yeah, and so what's going to happen? Like, we're seeing now that there's there's a mortgage crisis underway, thanks to... Oh, shit, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> the, the, and the mortgage market now might decide to join the party. <laughs> okay, so uh, this one comes from Matt Taibbi. And he pointed out recently that there is a slight problem in the way the mortgage market works now. Because, see, banks no longer service loans. Um, They've fobbed that off to uh, mortgage servicing providers. Um, So, I, I can't carry this one on my own. Um, Doc, mm-hmm. would you mind explaining um, to everyone, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> especially me. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, what these mortgage service providers are is this is, again, part of this whole, like, really stupid neoliberal drive to maximize profit <laughs> oh, through excess specialization and getting people with masters and breaking anything to poke their faces into shit they completely don't understand but they read about it once at harvard Mm -hmm. mba so you know they swear this is the best approach and the in this case the mortgage service companies are the ones that deal with basically chasing you down to make sure you pay your mortgage 
and then they pass that on to the banks and they get a servicing fee and they really don't have much in the way of liquid cash like this is an industry that depends on like assuming everyone's paying their mortgage on time most of it's automated shit Mm -hmm. and they have like I mean, as an entire industry, mortgage servicing made something like $10 oh, wow. billion dollars in profit in 2019 as an industry and current projections would, yeah, would, I mean, we're talking, we're talking like handling mortgages, which are you like the bedrock of crazy ass Wall Street black magic. And they're really actually pretty tight margins as an industry. And they are projecting that they're probably going to eat a raft of shit so far to the tune of $90 billion, which is way beyond the cash that they'll have on hand, that any of them could possibly have on hand. Because none of these people are banks. Um, That's the problem. Um. (laughs) Like, they can't do some of the weird-ass shit that banks can do and to basically fudge the numbers or move the assets around or find a way to redouble securitize it or some equally weird-ass shit. They just kind of have to take it. Wow. So, yeah, like, all of these, like, reforms that these, like, banks have done to offload all of, like, the actual pain-in-the-ass risk of mortgages... Oh, sorry. The pain-in-the-ass risk of issuing mortgages is just now going to just fucking eat shit and die. Like, not the banks, but the... Oh, no, they don't... But, like, it's going... These companies... It's... All that risk is now concentrated, and there's no way to get out of it. Well, it's more like they've offloaded the actual work of maintaining these mortgages, as well as, like, actually keeping the cash on hand to back it. Yeah, like, that's what they... This is um, literally the... Cas- this is literally the casino when... Yeah, okay. we're gonna run with an empty okay. vault. Why? <laughs> that's... Yeah, it's like the banks no longer bother to, like, actually have the call centers... Not that these companies really have call centers. They try to make... Well, that's what prison labor's for. Um, like... <laughs> did it. Yeah, why not? Um, why not Quicken Loans or any of these other fucking losers? Um, but they're on the hook. Because of... Uh, basically, they kind of fucked up when they wrote the CARES Act. The part that provides mortgage relief. See, they relieved it, uh, they relieved the obligation that those few lucky of us who could actually afford to have a mortgage, um, we don't have to pay, okay, for like the six months. But the thing of it is, is who who has to pay the um, the banks, the uh, the origina- uh, the originator or otherwise the holder of the underlying mortgage note that we're talking about. Um, it's these MSRs. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the system we have now. Um, and they can't yeah, they can't front that kind of cash. I mean their exposure to to the mortgage market is nearly total. They're on the hook to 
to the note holders because they're they're not getting bailed out. Um, like nobody is actually satisfying that obligation, and so they and like you know it's like I would normally I would say like you know just let them die. Like who gives a shit? Um, someone will buy the MSR. Um, preferably the bank will buy back the MSR and take that shit back in house. And, um, you know, we'll all, they'll all just laugh about it, um, and be like, hey, you know, remember when we did that really stupid thing? <laughs> See how much smarter we are now that we took that back in house? They can't do that. They can't do that because, um, guess what they're trying to do? <laughs> They're trying to um, get it out of you. So, like, what's going to happen when these mortgage uh, suppliers... Which what's going to happen when they fucking... These mortgage servicers, sorry. When they all fucking go bust and, like... So, what's going to happen to the actual, like, houses? Are they going to start foreclosing and then kick a bunch of people out? And then who owns the houses when the mortgage servicers are... Crushed. Oh, absolutely. And, but the, so. Well, that rolls back to the bank, because the mortgage services don't own it, but the bank sort of does, but that, this is where actually it gets even more fucking weird. And by the way, this is one to pay attention to if you happen to have a mortgage right now, is during the 2008 crisis, there were multiple cases of people who successfully challenged foreclosures in court, because for the most stupidly absurdly basic reason you can imagine where they walked in and they said we demand that the bank that is foreclosing on us produce the title for the mortgage and the banks literally could not find them it's by law you have to actually have the physical title to foreclose on someone and a lot of these banks had done this weird ass chopping shit up and repackaging derivatives and shit with mortgages that they actually had no idea where a lot of their mortgages actually okay. were or where the title so, on these properties actually yeah. were. So, you know, if, if this shit starts going belly up, what we're looking at is the mortgage market's just going to go completely haywire. Like, because some of this paperwork is probably missing or streamlined into some warehouse somewhere. Uh-huh. Or, or when or when the mortgage servicer goes under, the paperwork will go missing. Like... <laughs> yeah any like this is an incredibly like that this is like the fucking memory hole is going to eat so much shit in this and the banks are going to eat shit because all the securitization and all the crazy ass fucking like concoctions they've been brewing on wall street a lot of them still depend on mortgages and still depend on mortgage-backed securities. They never stopped doing that shit. They just repackaged it. Like, when they stopped calling collateralized debt obligations um, CBOs and instead called them bespoke tranche opportunities. Oh, yeah. We talked about tranche opportunities. And then they yeah, started I they, doing... I might have made some kind of, like, your mom's a tranche <laughs> joke. Like... <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah. 
yeah, so this shit is, like, this isn't new. And then, of course, they also have, like, crazy-ass swaps that allow them to, like, buy fire insurance on these burning assets. So there's just so many, like, the fact that the market's even holding up right now when this is happening in finance, that even with a bailout, it's it's kind of amazing. Like, this shit's gonna mm-hmm. really go haywire in a really weird-ass way. Yeah, this is, this is basically like, the robo-signing crisis times 10 million and in fact the whole point of the msr system was to kind of systematize uh systematize it so that this didn't happen again um at least that's how it was sold um i mean i don't buy that (laughs) but that's so that's like yeah yeah so yeah, it, it's insane, and and fossil fuels are eating mm-hmm. shit as well. The other thing that's supposed to be reliable for the economic yeah, I system, yeah, I think I think we've talked a lot about like how like, oil is fucking dead, and like fucking Saudi Arabia killed it. Like good old MBS took the revolver to his own head and was like, "I'll fucking do it. I'll fucking do it," and then pulled the trigger. <laughs> like, like, and then. Now, like, the same thing's happening to coal we're seeing. Coal is eating shit. Like... This is... We are officially at the first time in American history where more power is being produced by renewables than by coal. And the United Kingdom has officially been coal-free for the first time in its yeah, history that's like, that's for really 70 continuous days. Yeah. Thanks to coronavirus. Thank you. Nature is healing. The real yeah. virus is us. Um, and particularly coal, I guess. Coal is the real virus, which is why it's dying. You know what? This metaphor, I'm not sure how well it works. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so like, like even in India, coal use is collapsing and renewables are overtaking coal. It's like, that was supposed to, like, Oh yeah. Well, it's because it's because demand is dropping <laughs> so much that coal is kind of being useless. Yeah, and India was supposed to be the yeah, India and was on top to of- be like the great white hope of the coal industry. It was supposed to be the next. Oh yeah, that as they were doing their you know like service tech based. Um, thing that's been going on for a while that they would also be industrializing and manufacturing and part of that means they're gonna have to consume more coal and so yay we'll still be able to like get one more out of this before we're totally fucked um but india's like not doing Mm -hmm. that yeah and part of that is part of that is because you know the thing about renewables is that you don't have to depend on the grid. And if the grid is kind of shitty where you are, um, like (laughs) the thing about like, what are you going to do originally? I mean, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as like a coal fired generator. Uh, There is for gasoline, but gasoline costs a lot. Um, but the thing with, you know, with solar is 
you know, the charge controllers are everywhere because, you know, VOSI revolution. You know, charge controllers, um, the price has dropped through the roof, battery management systems, the price of 18650 cells, and everything is coming up renewables on, you know, the individual level. And on the demand side of things, like, there's not a lot of industry happening right now. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of movement. People aren't people aren't going anywhere. And on top of that, renewables and zero emissions technology has reached enough, like you could say, critical mass and development that the stuff that was supposed to be unsolvable, fuck you, Michael Moore, is being solved like there's a found, mm-hmm. a steel foundry in sweden for example that and this isn't new this has been going on for like at least a year that's figured out how to make steel without coal using hydrogen as fuel yeah and you can extract hydrogen from yeah. water using electricity generated by any number of renewable sources so like there's a big one and we've talked about ships and all this other like all these other places where technology has made it possible that renewables are just yeah like removing fossil fuels from the equation so hydrogen electrolysis power is and hydrogen combustion is actually very very energy dense it's the only thing that can compete with fossil fuels right now and so that's what people are using that's how they're doing it with the steel that's how they're doing it with the ships and stuff and it's it's really cool honestly it's super cool like you know, entirely independent of, like, environmental considerations. Like, one of the steel industry's big worries for quite a while is that we are rapidly exhausting our high-purity coal sources. Because if you're, like, if you're just making, like, shitty carbon steel, you can use pretty much any grade of, uh, of coal. It doesn't matter. But the problem is, is that these days, you know, that isn't accepted. Like, you have to be producing specific alloys for the needs of industry or you're not even playing. So you have to have high purity sources of carbon to do that. And now that, um, now that we've got an option for that, because uh, because part of the problem is, yes, you need carbon um, in the process in order to um, in order to make the alloy. You don't need a lot though, but the original process uh, the original processes um, use coal for more than that. They use it for actually yeah, getting to the temperatures required. Yeah, the the big and that's where hydrogen comes in, like crazy. Y'all might have heard of the Hindenburg. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's that as a fuel source. And and you've also got, even for the non-industrial applications, like you're even seeing this on ships, that battery technology has reached the point that you can actually do, like, batteries for container ship. Well, the the trick is that they're not mm -hmm. technically batteries. They're hydrogen fuel cells, where they... Oh yeah, yeah. they produce the electricity. Mm -hmm. Store the electricity, and they use hydrogen as fuel to generate that electricity through uh, hydrogen electrolysis Uh, or hydrolysis. 
I can't remember. Something. Yeah, but it's like it's that. a process where you just yeah. combine hydrogen it's, and oxygen um, to make water, and that produces a bunch of electricity. And yeah, I mean, it's like it's not perfect because part of the problem is that up until now, a lot of hydrogen is produced through burning methane, and that is obviously not sustainable. The renewable sources of methane are not large enough to meet the needs of industry. I, I'm I'm sorry, guys and gals. Like it's it's not it's not. Let's well, let's stop if pretending. You use enough electricity though, which you um, can get from things like nuclear or solar or wind or hydro. You can just apply enough electricity to water to separate mm-hmm. the hydrogen and the oxygen. And that in that way, it is kind of like a battery in that you would just separate the two with electricity and then put them in chambers and oh yeah, like again to generate electricity. Yeah, like the thing to remember with fossil fuels is they are ultimately a store of you know they're a store of energy that's accumulated over millions and millions of years. They're not. <laughs> the reason um, we've allowed ourselves to yeah. think otherwise is because it yeah. was cheap. All this shit was already happening without COVID. But what COVID's done mm-hmm. is you have such a massive demand shock to industries whose equipment is designed to be running 90% of the time to have minimal amounts of downtime and actually runs into serious maintenance problems if you try to restart it after shutting down a pump for any extended amount of time which is having to happen like the production cutbacks that OPEC plus and all them agreed to means they are shutting down production facilities that are not supposed to be shut down for extended periods so not only are they eating a raft of shit like this is an unprecedented raft of shit like we're looking at oil prices that haven't been seen since the 1970s but the cost of everything else is well beyond the 1970s so they're having to take it well past on the chin and are these are gut shots to the going to have like that's what it is this is yeah the privately held coal and oil industry such as it is like the oil majors and all them they're fucked like without things like the fracking bubble going boom in the midst of all this too like they are just fucked like, all the industry press has been writing obituaries since the beginning of April. Yeah. A lot of CEOs are seeing the Ghanaian pallbearers outside yeah, the there's window. There's people that are going for the doors. Stocks, <laughs> stocks are plummeting. Like and this is, like, by value of asset. Remember, the oil industry is the biggest one on the planet. Like, in terms of, like, an industry that actually holds fucking assets. So, this is... These are guys that are essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a really, really impressive way for the fucking, uh, for the sector to just go down. It's, I'm, I'm not sure if we've seen an entire sector eat shit like this before. Like, since the Industrial Revolution. What is it, like the horse industry maybe? Like, <laughs> even they didn't It took them a while. In a like, single until, like, quarter. after world it took them from like 
Yeah. Yeah, it was more like of a slow erosion. showed up one day and went beat, beat, motherfucker. Yeah, and then a year later, all of the horse companies went bankrupt. Yeah. That's not how it worked. It, so, like... Instead, we've got, like, COVID sitting over here going... Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very dramatic <laughs> uh, fall for both coal and oil right now that is uh, unprecedented in a lot of ways. Uh, and, like, there's so many other things going on right now that we just have to move on and we have to talk about the thing that's been on everyone's minds uh in america the food crisis there's meat shortages here in america and it's gonna get worse (laughs) you know i thought that like food shortages like this were supposed to be an exclusive feature of like socialist hellholes and that food shortages never happen under capitalism because the market fairy frowns on such have you considered that the united states is actually the most socialist country in the world because we have a big military (laughs) 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 and that's the government which is socialism so uh Socialism is when the government yeah. does yeah. things. So, yeah. Karl Marx. The more social, the more the government does things, the more socialist it is. Yeah, and we know that the U.S. military has its fingers yeah. in every yeah. major industry in the country, and thus America is actually existing socialism in our time, <laughs> which is why there's a meat shortage, and definitely not anything to do with all of these meat packing plants shutting down and by the way we would like to say to the national review the financial times and all the other usual suspects that if you scoop that argument we just gave we will fucking sue you yeah that's a copyright chop shop economics (laughs) that's a copyright chop shop economics moment 2020 Mm -hmm. no free use um (laughs) but yeah it's it's actually only if you're a fucking capitalist ghoul it's actually a very serious problem that we're like getting into right now, which is that um, meat packing plants, mm-hmm. like, half of them have shut down because just they're unsafe to operate during the pandemic and demand has dropped so much. So this combination of all of the fast food joints, like their demand just collapsing and then all of these just slaughterhouses unable to operate without like all of their workers just walking out or dying means that we're seeing millions of livestock just being literally thrown into wood chippers like and and it's like it's important to note that that's not it's not because they don't have the capacity to keep the animals the problem is, is like if a pig gets too big, for instance, um, unless you're like a bespoke uh, processor, the problem is, is they're too large for the equipment because everything is designed to like a specific standard, and it's all just in time crap where they get to X amount of weight and X dimensions and. They go yeah, on the car and, and then they get slaughtered. That's that's how the system is supposed like, to work. That's um, seventy to ninety percent of the process. If they're being kept uh, the for, processing uh, 
capacity for yeah. a certain meat. Like, if you're a, a beef packer, like, there's so few small, like, slaughterhouses, small processors that can process these extra large cows. Like, they don't have, they're, all, they're already always running at capacity. So, there's not a meat demand yeah, like this is, And so they're already all always running at capacity to process these big ol' heifers. And now... But not too big. That's important. But not too big. And now, like, half of them are oh, shut yeah. down. Okay. And half of the large processors are shut down. So we're just seeing meat not reaching the grocery stores. And meat being too expensive yeah. for restaurants to buy. Which their demand was already dropped, and the price has gone up. So we're seeing stuff like Wendy's, mm-hmm. where their patties cost more than what they're selling the burger for. Like $2.31 yeah. for a Wendy's patty right now. That's how much the beef is worth. That's... You can't run a profit. Like, Ooh. Wendy's is fucked. And, and that's like... And when we're talking about, like, a Wendy's patty, like, the air quotes are implicit around the word beef. Well, no, the, it, the, okay, all jokes aside, <laughs> it's actual I mean, beef. it's beef-based. And <laughs> that's the thing. Like, these are actual heifers that need to be slaughtered. And they're not getting slaughtered. And so we're seeing, if you go to the grocery store right now, and you're in America, there's a good chance there will be entire sections of meat just not there and this is not going to get better yeah this is especially because now yeah the on top of all the problems with processing the people who are holding this livestock are hold are like have capacity for a certain amount of livestock with the expectation that they're going to be slaughtering like say a hundred sending like say a hundred thousand pigs off to slaughter this week or something like that because it's that part of their season so it's not just that there's no one to process them it's that if they hang on to these animals they're going to be taking on costs they're not prepared for they're going to be having to house livestock they don't have the facilities for Mm -hmm. and on top of this there's even another layer to consider the gas demand price crisis that's killing corn right now corn prices have dropped and the processing for that corn to turn into ethanol which is being sold to gas stations which aren't selling gas right now all of that ethanol processing is shut down mm-hmm. and they make a ton of fodder out of that ethanol yeah. processing a lot a good chunk of america's cow fodder is made from that ethanol processing so corn prices are down so low that they're not planting corn this season and and the fodder prices for their livestock are so high that they can't afford to feed their livestock right now so it's it's this awful combination to where it's not profitable to make food right now when people are hungry. And it's so... I mean, 
there are some mitigating factors in that, like, some distributors have sort of adapted in that, like, you're not going to be able to get, like, hyper-specific cuts of beef anymore, or pork. Um, that, uh, that stuff is going away. Um, it's going to be, you're going to see a lot more, um, less heavily processed meat, shall we say? Um, a lot, you're going to see a lot more of what's usually referred to as awful. Like, you're going to see a lot more tongue and intestine and stuff like that. Like, the cuts that usually don't mm-hmm. show up on American palates, period, because it's cheap meat. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a lot of cuts like that. Yeah. And they'll be the only thing you can eat. Like, there's going to... There is a meat shortage right now, and it is going to get worse, because these... When these livestock, uh, when these ranchers, these livestock suppliers, the, they, when they euthanize, like, a million pigs, they're not going uh-huh. <laughs> to just have another million pigs for you when the plants open back up. Like, <laughs> they're not going to have that extra million pigs. It takes nine months yeah. to grow a pig for slaughter. It takes 24 months grow a cow for slaughter and the demand isn't going to pick right back up yeah and a lot of these suppliers aren't going to have the money to just get a bunch of calves you know they they can't they can't afford to feed them they can't afford to buy them we actually already kind Mm -hmm. of saw like a preview of coming attractions with this with the lead up to brexit that the uh lamb and sheep industry in the uk like that particular sector of british agriculture was actively warning the government look if you go ahead with this our industry is never going to recover because we are going to have to cull most of our herds and once that happens we're not going to be producing at levels anywhere near what we used to anymore and that was just with the brexit demand drop just in the UK, just in that one specific sector of agriculture and livestock. Yeah. Like part of the pro- like part of the problem here is like the American food industry is so dependent on like having all these specific inputs being here at exactly the right time. And now we're in a situation where the objectively correct thing to do for a chicken processor, for example, is to basically cut the neck, gut it, and shit wrap it. And yeah. send that to the store. Like, don't even bother processing it any further, because that takes people. And your people are already having problems keeping up with, you know, the regular demand, so we had to slow the lines down. So, the only thing left to do is just not just bear, uh, not even bother uh, fully processing the birds. Just do the bare minimum to yeah, that's... get it into the freezer. So if you're seeing a lot of like, uh, so if you're seeing like, you know, a bunch of whole chickens in your meat department and like no, um, no leg quarters or anything like that. That's why, because Assuming who's going to do it? By the way, and that you're not limited to one per family. Yeah, um, it's th- this is 
I mean, or, or oh, you, yeah. get, you know, as a response <laughs> to this, instead of like what's happening where Trump is trying to force meat packers to go back to work and they're kind of like, I'm sorry, what? This is the industry with the highest infection rate. Go fuck yourself. I'm not dying. Yeah. Um, like you could try mm-hmm. that, which isn't working. Or you could like pull a fucking Julius Newsom Caesar power move. And just and decide to feed Just mm-hmm. be like <laughs> Yeah, and just be like, right, we're just gonna like step in because the market has clearly shot the bed. Like this isn't like within the last week, but like on April 29th, um uh Newsom announced that there was a new program being set up by the state of California uh, called the farm to family program, which basically went, okay, we're going to take these farms that are about to eat massive amounts of shit because of the demand shock that's happening. And these farmers who we still need to keep these farms, you know, functional, we're going to pay you. We're going to buy your stock and we're going to distribute it to food banks. Yeah. It's, it's the basic normal government thing to do that like a medieval government would fucking see to do and do i'm serious that is stuff medieval governments would do like this is pharaonic egypt here this is making sure people don't starve in the street yeah it's like oh this is like agriculture it's it's literally being like oh farmers are having trouble selling their goods people are having trouble getting fed hmm what should we do (laughs) like yeah that's so so that's what's happening and it's like and that's like a thing that's happening so that's an option that's absolutely like out there on the table um you know assuming he doesn't get like stabbed in the state senate or something Um, yeah oh my god and then we're having to like give his funeral oratory At two, mccarthy (laughs) like well newsom's also like just been like hey yeah you can now use your EBT card online. Like, <laughs> it's just so, yeah, it's just like, cool, nice. And there's extra money for children for the EBT program. And like, just like California is just being like a basically functional state right now, which is so impressive in 2020 in yeah. the United States. Like, <laughs> It, it, that's the bar that we're at like we're like oh shit you're almost as good as a medieval duke like <laughs> yeah you are like doing a basic congratulations <laughs> you are doing a society um yeah yeah and like that kind of stuff is just like exactly <laughs> why like the, the the bar is so low right now is exactly why you know we have a literal senator saying to like the biggest media outlet or one of them that we are in the worst Mm -hmm. situation since the goddamn civil war which by the way we have repeatedly said in like the last five episodes so bernie catch up to chop shop please yeah great to have you on board (laughs) we've got like 12 back episodes for you to (laughs) be But, you know, just just to show that we're not making this up, uh, here's that audio. Chris, it is important for us to take a very deep breath and to understand that we are in the worst moment, the worst moment uh, in American history, maybe since the Civil War. Uh, You mentioned the official figure of 77,000 people dying of the virus. 
Uh, there are epidemiologists who estimate that that is significantly lower than reality, probably over 100,000. Uh, the number of 33,000, uh, 33 million people who have lost uh, their jobs in the last seven weeks probably understates that reality as well. Even more people have lost their jobs. So we are in a terrible, terrible moment. You know, I have a large uh, email following. And we sent out uh, an email to people and said, tell us what's happening in your lives in the midst of this pandemic. And Chris, what we received from people by the thousands was literally so painful, I couldn't read it. I mean, the stories are, I lost uh, my mother. I lost my job. I have no money. I can't feed my kids. Uh, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, mental illness taking place, enormous anxiety. People are hurting in a way we have never, ever seen in our lifetimes. And to top it all, top it all, we have somebody so irresponsible, so not understanding the current reality as president of the United States, that it is just incredibly painful. And yeah. Yeah, it's, he's, he's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is. Like, and this is in the middle of, even as yeah. like, and he goes on to like talk about that they're pushing for really good shit, like two thousand dollars a month UBI while Joe Biden is hiding in his basement somewhere. Um, like, if he's even alive at this point, who well, even I mean, fucking knows? Well, we haven't heard of him groping anybody, <laughs> so that's proof of life for Joe Biden. <laughs> true, so, but true. like in the middle of this shit, you've got on the other end that. It not just like the regional blocks and all that we've been talking about, but one that we haven't actually touched on as much as we should have, that fucking Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate and Donald Trump are openly flirting with letting state governments run the risk of bankruptcy, which by the way is illegal under federal law. Like a state cannot a state government cannot declare bankruptcy and has not happened since like the eight 1930s yeah there's like like literally like the federal government restructured how like finance works because of states going bankrupt like <laughs> it's so yeah uh if you want to if you want to get source on that the latest episode oh, yeah of that's Franklin actually i do not eat yeah shout out do not eat. uh pretty good yeah yeah he covered like he covered all this stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's literally why we have the system we do now, because the alternative yeah, sucks was, shit. Hi, you're eating a raft of shit for the rest of the 1800s. Um, and it's... And they're, like, openly flirting with playing with this fire as a way of, like... And again, this like goes in with his really stupid ass piracy policy of stealing people's equipment is that Trump's trying to create leverage to use against the blue states mm -hmm. and as well as to keep his own states in line and a really stupid as fuck mafia kind of thing while forgetting that you know, the states most at risk for bankruptcy are his constituents. <laughs> and that, you know, if push came to shove. Like, the city of San Francisco by itself could, like, provide the credit backing for, like, half the states west of the Rockies by itself. Yeah, yeah, we're, like, seeing, like, if the mm -hmm. federal government won't guarantee Idaho's, like, credit, then, like, 
California will, and but Idaho has to join the Western States Pact, you know? Like, the, it's, it's is total, a, that's a thing this that, is like yeah. Yuan Shikai type fucking moves right here, like of a brain genius, this, like, it's... <laughs> this is shit that is, but this is shit that could probably happen at this point, because we actually have a government that is flirting with forcing states to eat shit to prove their fealty while forgetting that the ones he's picking a fight with are the ones that are most capable of taking that and going that's adorable you want to try again and like (laughs) and for one that is literally unprecedented in american history like this was a thing that didn't even happen during the civil war or the great depression or any other major crisis anything ever in american history like we may actually see the post office shut down yeah like how the the idea of a national postal service going under okay to give you guys an example of how nuts this is there is a post apocalyptic movie about how the postal service did not go under after a nuclear war <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and the other the other thing of this is it is a constitutional mandate to have a functioning postal service. Yeah, this isn't like some neat program that somebody dreamed up and we kept it going just because. This is this was this isn't even an amendment. This was written into the original articles by the founding fathers. Yeah, cuz like a postal service is kind of something that like yeah. I didn't know the fucking Achaemenid Shahs of Iran could run. <laughs> It's sort of like one of those things that's like you sort of need yeah. it for these things called packages and mail to be delivered in a reasonable time frame. Like for a while there, Amazon was basically piggybacking off of the post office um, before shifting away from. Them. Well, so, I mean, it's, it's shifted like... back onto that too because it realized the shipping service sucked. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it did. It absolutely did. Like, I, I have had so many fuck-ups uh, from uh, from Amazon back in the early days when they were doing oh, yeah. Amazon Logistics. I was like, could you please at least let the Postal Service or UPS do this? They actually yeah. deliver my so, fucking yeah, packages. That when everyone is at shelter in place and needs stuff to be delivered by mail more than ever. <laughs> Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is, this is literally the only way money velocity can happen is instead of going to Best Buy to pick up your new laptop because you, I don't know, you spilled Coke on it or something, um, you get it shipped from like Amazon or Newegg or something. Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And if that goes down, yeah, the the consumer what economy is based on mail then, right you know, now. Money philosophy stops. Shut down the mail. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is so they can break the fucking but, pension but, fund. You don't understand. It's so dumb. <laughs> but Doc, but Doc, Helen, y- y'all don't understand. It's really important that people not vote in November. Um. I mean, it's really important. So they don't get COVID. Um, Yeah, I get it. (laughs) So, um, and because it's important to uh, not have an election happen, 
um, where, you know, free people pull the lever in one state um, because it's kind of amusing. Um, and that's how Trump gets reelected. Um, that, that's, that's, what, well, that's what this is yeah. about in part. That and, like, you know, they're looking to, I don't know, raid yeah. the pension. Because Trump has openly said, if we implemented vote by mail, there's no way a Republican would ever get elected again. Like, he said that in front of a mic. Yeah, it's... Like, not even, like, a month ago. Yeah, it would be, like, Democrat against against yeah. Green forever. <laughs> oh, shit. The vast majority of people would be able to very easily vote. <laughs> and so it's... Yeah. There's so much, but this is all shit that's like, this is failed state shit. This is, things are collapsing, regional authorities are stepping forward to do their shit and not care. Yeah, we're looking, we're like, we're level. like 1905 Russia right now. Like, it's not looking good. It's at, it's... <laughs> Like oh god damn it. <laughs> it's very like there's okay. I'm going to like say this, it's just fucking okay. You can cut all of the the bullshit that I was just repeating over and over. Uh but we've got food mm-hmm. shortages. We've got regional governors asserting their power. We've got an incompetent central government who's uh-huh. operating off of malice to try to hurt these governors, but the actual results of the policy would be to Im- improve them. Aided and abetted and by a... We're... <laughs> and there's... And there's huge unemployment. And everyone hates the government. Everyone hates the central government. Congress has like mm-hmm. a nine percent approval rating. Like, <laughs> there's little keeping this country together except just respecting the law. The federal organs of government are disintegrating. There's little actual governance of the federal government right now happening. And even that question of, you know, people respecting the law is probably going to go out the window the moment the Supreme Court does something really shitty, which, you know, they're totally warming up to do. Like, I've said it before, we Mm. are ticking down to when a governor says John Roberts has made his decision, let him enforce it. Yeah. At this rate. Yeah, we really, and it will be, uh, you know, it will be fucking Caesar Newsom who's going to be... Like, there could be just a law or an executive order or a Supreme Court decision, and Newsom will be like, okay, have fun. Try to enforce that here, because we won't. You know, it's it's already happening. Uh, it's already been happening with weed for the past, like, decade. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, mm-hmm. shit is, and, and, like, at least with weed, you could... Like, the feds could sort of, like, sweep it under the rug by using the whole, like, federalism, you know, kabuki show thing. But this is, like, legitimate, like, conflicts between different centers of power that have compelling interests running in directly opposing directions. Yeah, we're seeing the points, you know, where Republican governors are fighting 
Republican president just because the federal government is responding to this whole crisis so poorly. And like the like even the state governments are responding very poorly, but at least they get to blame the federal government. You know? <laughs> like yeah. They have and some are definitely like doing yeah. worse than <laughs> others. Um and some are actually doing like a like passively acceptable job. Yeah. Um because, like, at this point, most of where you're seeing the newest surges of cases are in more rural areas, particularly around places with, like, say, prisons, which have been massive, like, oh yeah, zones of infection. So, of course, then the guards are taking it home from work. The guards yeah. probably brought it yeah. in, too. Oh, yeah. Let's, so let's be getting, clear. Like, the guards absolutely brought that shit like, in. Haven't done, like, the more rural states haven't done lockdowns to a serious degree so now they're getting like these massive outbreaks they're even less prepared to deal with whereas like particularly on the west coast things are starting to stabilize like it's not out of the woods but it's not like oh fuck oh fuck the train has skipped the tracks oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's like and I, I, I think it's just, I don't think they care. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. just prisoners. That's, that's the, that's yeah. the thinking there. Like, uh, we, we might use them to, like, uh, do a little prison labor, get some hand sanitizer into the hands of certain people, but, um, the rest, yeah, they, well, they did that the in New Orleans. Die. They literally the did that die. in New Orleans because they went, that whole shit where they were like, oh, the sanitation workers are going on strike because COVID. Yeah. And justifiably, yeah. just like, you know, the workers in Pittsburgh did and have done in other places mm-hmm. and or like, say, how the two biggest teachers unions have just officially announced on May 8th that they should meet any attempts to reopen schools against the advice of health officials with strikes and protests and these are like, you know, the un- like these union feds usually don't do this kind of wildcat shit. So that's kind of like, oh, yeah, this isn't even like, like, I'm fairly certain issuing a strike pledge like that outside of the accepted processes in the NLRB is incredibly illegal. And it also really doesn't matter. Um, but like in New Orleans, they oh. went, hey, so we're just going to break the strike by hauling out prison labor. Yeah. Yeah, it shows, like, just an absolute yeah. contempt by every single state government, let's be clear, of the American slave population. Like, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, I have, like, one uh-huh. question about this. Like, do they qualify as scabs? It's I mean, forced labor. They don't qualify as scabs. Like, they, that's... Yeah, that's like, they got a whip at their back. Like, they're... I... I mean, that... Uh, I, I know that sounds like a stupid question. But well, it's question. worth saying. If I went on strike and the people who replaced me were slaves, I would not be mad at the slaves. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not the slaves fault that they're there like and it's the same thing yeah. here oh definitely whereas scabs volunteer to break a strike that's what it is they answer the call 
so yeah. they can all get fucked. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we actually for a really a similar really grotesque example of this kind of you know like who is disposable and who is not mentality i we actually sort of had an inadvertent one from san francisco that just happened where the uh, uh, health officials have managed to get enough testing equipment that they did a mass testing of one specific neighborhood in the mission which is one that's basically like 40 percent white 40 percent latino and like the other 20 percent various other groups um living in the bay area and by mass testing this one specific neighborhood, they were like, okay, we'll have a control group. We'll be able to actually get a handle on what the fuck's going on with this because that hasn't been able to happen in the U.S. yet. Um, well, the study came out and was reported in the Mission Local. And what they found was 90% of Latinos who were tested, tested positive. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Like, even though they make up, like, 40% of the population of this particular district in San Francisco, they were not, like... Well, because they're the essential workers. Yeah. Whereas, like, the whites... We who are sent to die. Whereas, like, all the other groups are able to work remotely in some way or another. Or at least enough of them, especially with, like, what fucking rent's like in the mission these days. So, it's... I mean, that's just like, and that's not even like people that are in like prison labor or something horrific, like what's being done in New Orleans. Yeah. But, you know, people are not taking it. Like, I mean, like the teachers unions have said, no, we're going to absolutely make a declaration of dubious legality to strike if you make us reopen these schools against public health orders. And we know that, like, from the big strikes that happened in, like, Arizona and West Virginia, that even, like, ununionized teachers can and probably will do similar efforts and throw down in their own way. Probably even more than the national unions. I wouldn't be surprised. So, like... I mean, yeah, people know that this is shit. People, like, three quarters of Americans do not want to go out and fucking die for the economy. This is, like, a government that is incredibly ineffectual, that is trying to, and not just here, in many other places, like, these are governments that are incredibly ineffectual, that are trying to push a really fucking stupid and unpopular set of solutions that we know won't work, that we have said repeatedly on this show will not work, and now we have examples showing yes it will not fucking work to throw bodies on the wall street fucking sacrificial fires yeah like there's only so many babies you can stuff into the mouth of the moloch idol like uh there there's not much they people can't accept this kind of thing for very long when we reach to the point of food shortages and over 20% unemployment that's when you start seeing things like just like a women's association marching to Versailles like <laughs> or shit like you know workers soviets seizing control of arsenals yeah that's like yeah that's this is the level at which we're getting now, and I really, I really encourage everyone you know to t- start talking 
just everyone who's listening to this, start talking to everyone you know and talk about how hard it is. Yeah. You don't... It's not just you. That's the that's the thing. It's not just you. I, I know a lot of you feel like you're all alone and only you can see what's actually going on. You you would be surprised how many people share that. You would be surprised how many people know this, but they think no one else knows this. I'm all alone. I I'm stuck with this knowledge that everything is going to hell and there's nothing I can do about it. I just have to watch everything slide into the abyss. Um because that's all I can do. And that's that's how uh, that's the precondition of solidarity. You have to know you're not alone. Yeah. And speaking as one of the people who's like remembers shit from the bush years and was getting hit in the teeth by 2008 just as it was coming out and like mm-hmm. wiping out the economy there's a there's also a substantial chunk of people who fairly recently watched capitalism shit the bed and now are watching it shit the bed harder and are already yeah. predisposed towards assuming that this system doesn't work yeah it's right. so get together talk with people like you might be surprised at how radical they are they might not be like marxists or anarchists but they definitely recognize that they're being fucked over and yeah remember the general electric workers who went on who walked out of the job with the demand like not even like a month ago of immediately converting all production towards necessary medical equipment yeah People know what People is People are necessary. doing that shit. <laughs> and, you know, talk to them. Work together. That's, that's all you need to do. And that's really just what solidarity comes down to. So I think... Huh, so that's it, everyone, I guess. Um, so stockpile those bottle caps and Nuka-Colas in your handy wall safe. That can be picked by mm-hmm. bobby pins. Yeah. You know, just... Very important. Uh, make sure to... It has to be that safe. Have a bunch of ammo boxes. Uh, make sure to... Drugs in them, you know? Uh... Also, it's very important to leave notes around and um, uh, leave some recordings on your smartphone talking about, you know, the day's activities so that everyone knows just how things Yeah, work. yeah, leave a lot of notes just write notes constantly leave them all over the place that's what you need to do and that is our call to action right if you want to go like the whole nine yards and do like the room full of crazy thing i mean you know whatever floats your boat yeah so (laughs) this has been walls are riding surfaces (laughs) this has been chop shop economics and uh we just read a lot of this shit so you didn't have to yeah bye everyone good luck out there